We have a hesitancy about the idea of repentance because we don't know what it means or what I would argue is we don't know what the Bible says repentance is and why it's so important. And if you don't know, the Bible has a lot to say about repentance. And if the Bible says a lot, we ought to say a lot ourselves. Often we think that repentance is a bad thing because we, we, we're going to have to stop doing things that we enjoy. That's what we think is a, is a bad thing. Matter of fact, recently somebody said to me, um, I know a lot of people would come to church and become a believer in Jesus and give their life to Christ um, if they thought they'd have to give up stuff, right? But they, they're afraid because they have to give up stuff that they really, really enjoy. And they believe that, that, that that's too much to ask. And so they don't want to come around Christians or church people or, you know, they don't stay clear of it because they can, I can live my life my way and, and not have any guilt about that. But that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to know Jesus Christ, come on, our Savior and our Lord. It's a fundamental misunderstanding. Here's the truth. Whether you want to repent or not, you can't come to know Jesus Christ and stay the same. I have not met anybody, anybody, who has met Jesus Christ and stayed the same. Nobody, right? Now, I've seen some people go forward and go back, and I've gone forward and gone back, right? I mean, but I've never seen one not changed because they came to know Jesus Christ. And so today I hope to offer some biblical insight about that, about what it means to come to repentance and why, why it's a big deal. And, uh, and so I'm going to do what we always do uh, because I have no wisdom of my own. The wisdom is in the book and in, in the word, right? The, the, the person of God and Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pray for him to teach us today, him to teach you today what you need to learn from Scripture and from him about repentance and belief so pray with me if you would father god i thank you so much for the chance we've had to worship you through song and through um celebration and through service what an awesome opportunity we've had um just to love you and love each other and um be out in the community and just doing good stuff i, I pray father that you would uh continue to lead us in our lives and I, I pray father that really honestly in our lives out there every day in the trenches doing life that we sense your presence with us and that we are attentive to you being present with us that we see where you're working and if we don't see it that we look for it like where are you God in our lives but we're here Whatever's happened in our lives father we're here with you this morning and we just want you to teach us would you you, you know, your Holy Spirit, would you teach us with the power of your Holy Spirit the convictions in our heart, the words we sang, this, and the inside out we'd be changed. We don't want false religion and false gospel. We don't want false hope. And we want you, the true author and completer of faith, we want you to teach us today. So would you do that work, Father? It is not for our pleading. It is for your good pleasure. You have revealed yourself to us, which only makes us want more. Would you show us that this morning? We love you so much. We trust you with the time. We trust you with the power of your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus Christ, who died that we might be free. Oh, Father, we bind it in his name this morning. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to kind of uh, roll through some ideas of repentance. I hope, man, in your life you have that sense of relationship with God. That it is not a God out there somewhere. It's a God very, very near to us. I, uh, I want to start with a definition of, of what repentance is because it's far more simple perhaps than we would imagine. It means to change our thinking. That's what it means to repent, 
right? You may have heard, and I've said it before here, it means to turn around, okay? But it means to change our thinking. As a matter of fact, the more refined definition says to be willing to change your inner person, right? To be willing to change in here. To be willing to change your posture, position, right? That means that if you're called upon to serve, you serve. If you're called upon to be humble, you're humble, right? If whatever God's doing, you're willing, you're, you're like moldable, right? Remember the accusation was don't be hard-hearted. God's hard-hearted, stiff-necked people. No, we're, we're repentant people. We repent, we admit we don't know things, and we wait upon the Lord to do things in our lives. We seek Him where He's to be found. Be willing to change the inner person, as a matter of fact, a very succinct definition was stolen by a company in the 70s called Apple. They said two words, think different. That's what it means to repent, to think different. Why is repentance a big deal? Repentance is a big deal because it is mentioned from the very beginning of the New Testament to the very end of the New Testament. If you do a word study, which we're going to kind of do this morning together, if you do a word study on the issue of repentance, it starts with Matthew and it ends in Revelation. I want you to understand that. It starts in Matthew and it ends in Revelation, right? Now, I know there's an Old Testament. You say people have to repent in the Old Testament. I know it, right? But I'm talking about uh, it's throughout the Gospels and throughout the New Testament, this call to repentance. As a matter of fact, oddly, it's in the Gospels, it's in the book of Acts, and it is mentioned one time in the letters, that's interesting to me. But then revelation. What? Repentance. So maybe it has always maybe not been a popular thing to talk about. That we're called to repent and to believe. It happens 34 times in the New Testament. It occurs 34 times. And so I'm going to kind of, what I've done this morning is I've done a little bit of work ahead of time and I've kind of got all, because we usually turn in the Bible, I encourage you to open a Bible and look at it and I hope you brought one today. But we're going to be going through some scripture and so I'm going to put the words on the screen today so we can see them together as we, uh, as we talk about what it means. So the question this morning I have is then why should we repent? Like why should we change our thinking? Why should we change our minds or be our inner person, be willing to be pliable or malleable to God? And uh, the first comes from Matthew 3, let's see, verses 1 and 2. Because God is closer than you think. See, this is the problem with people who don't believe. They go, oh, God, wh who's God? Where's God? God is closer than you think. Like, if you're a non-believer this morning, if you don't believe the gospel, here's the crazy thing. God is closer than you think to you, right? And if you're a believer and you're having a hard time or whatever, listen, God is closer than you think think he is. It says, in those days John the Baptist came, this is, and he preached in the desert of Judea saying, repent. Why? Why should you change your mind? Because the kingdom of God is near. That's what John the Baptist said. You remember John the Baptist, right? He came to proclaim a straight way. God's closer than you think. That's what he said. Matter of fact, here's the second thing I want to say about repentance. Jesus himself said we should repent, right? So Jesus himself said we should repent. This happens two times in Scripture. It happens in Matthew 4, 17. It happens in Mark 1, 15. Jesus says these words. Uh, for, or he, this is recorded. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. This is the beginning of his preaching ministry. And this is what he says. Repent. Why should you repent? He sounds like John the Baptist. Because God's closer than you think. The kingdom of heaven is near. He would say, well, I, I don't want to change how I live or how I think. Yeah, you do. Because the kingdom is closer than you think. 
You, you don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. Yes, listen. Read the Bible. Jesus knows we're sinners. People have always been making excuses for sin. Yeah, I just, I'm so far. I can't be holy like those people. I, I can't go to temple and worship. I can't offer sacrifices. Yeah, Jesus knows, you know. So he says, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God is nearer than you expect. You're closer than you know. Oh, that's such, that's already good news, isn't it? I mean, to realize that God is closer than you think he is. Because we have a tendency to believe a lie that God is like so far and we're so alone and we have these pity, poor me things. And no, he's so close. He's closer than we could ever imagine. But Jesus calls us himself. He preached it. You know, here's the funny thing, right? Like, it is a funny thing to have Kirk say, no one's talking about repentance because Jesus talked about repentance. He's like, you should repent. I should repent. We should all repent. It shouldn't be a dirty word. It shouldn't be a bad word. We shouldn't be afraid to tell people they should repent. But many times we are, aren't we? Wow. Repent. Here's something else that Jesus taught. Jesus said that miracles that happen in our lives should lead us to repentance. Like a cause and effect relationship. Because you've had miracles in your life, you've seen God at work in your life, that ought to lead you to repent. This is recorded in two places as well in the Gospels. It's recorded in Matthew 11, 20, and 21. And it's also recorded in Luke 10, 13. Right? Here's the word. Woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. Do you see what he's connecting there? If you see God's miracles in your life and you don't repent, you're not willing to become pliable and soft to God, there's, you're disconnecting because you, we ought to. We ought to become pliable. We see miracles in our lives. You ought to repent. And what do we repent for? For our obstinance, that's a crazy word, our rebelliousness against God, for our denying his reality, for our willingness to sit around, put our fingers in our ears and our, cover our eyes and scream, la, 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 I'm not listening to you. Because he's there. <laughs> he's doing miracles in your life. Now, many of you might say, uh, I have not seen a miracle yet. Have any of you had a near-death experience? Anybody? <laughs> Some of you and I remember it. You might have been small enough that you like do a little. You don't remember it, right? I remember my, I had, I've had several near-death experiences in my life. Um, and I, I can't say that in the moment I instantly repented, but I remember I had several car crashes and motorcycle crashes where I go, I should not have walked away without injury in that deal, you know? And, and you know what that is? That's a miracle that should lead to repentance. So, so maybe you're like, great. For you, I've been very safe. <laughs> I've not done something stupid like you've done. Uh, and I don't have any near-death experiences, you know. Um, that's a miracle. <laughs> if you have not risked your life or limb yet, and you've been able to live this long in your life, and you've been safe, that's a miracle, right? I mean, what does the Bible say? It says, God causes rain to fall on both the, 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 uh, the, the sinner and the redeemed alike, or the righteous alike. Like, he just blesses us all the time. And it's only those that recognize it, that repent, who see what he's doing. 
Here's another thing I want to say. We talked about Thursday night. Relevant, right? Listen to me. Your life, your life is a miracle. If you're sucking wind, I don't care how bad your life has been, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. This week we talked about the encouragement of, you know, fathers being able to become, you know, men become, they'll become dads and, and become responsible. And um, we talk about that, that kind of those words that almost disconnect now, sanctity of human life. But listen, that's a miracle. It's a miracle what's happening. Your life. And that, that's not about anything else. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about some political issue. You, the fact that you're living, breathing, is a miracle. And ought to lead to repentance. Right? Because what does it mean to, to be obstinate? To deny the Creator. To not admit, yes, God, you made me. I am created. In your image, I'm created. Right? I did nothing to deserve this life. It's a miracle to be here. And Jesus says, listen, if the miracles were done for them, were done to you, they would have repented long ago. It's an expectation that God has, that if he's doing stuff in your life, that you go, yes, praise you, God, that you're doing it. Repent. I'm sorry I've been denying you all this time. Matter of fact, he throws in that little tagline, what's repentance look like? In this case, they'd be sitting in sackcloth and ashes a long time ago. This is referred to several times. This happens in the Old Testament often. You remember Job sitting in sackcloth and ashes, repent. I mean, he was just lamenting, really, Job was. But you had um, Jonah and, uh, going to Nineveh, and uh, he, they repented. The king, the king repented in sackcloth and ashes. Anybody had a right to be proud about who he is. He's bowed low and said, I am not the God of everything. It's repentance. So when miracles happen, we ought to repent in our lives. We ought to repent. Here's another thing. Jesus, he sent people out in the world to tell people good news. Do you know that? That happened in the Gospels early. And this is in Mark 6. He sent people out to preach good news. And the apostles preached that we ought to repent. That people should repent. Mark 6 12 they the 12 that jesus sent out two by two went out and preached that people should repent the word there is ought to it's a, a normative experience it's not the exception to the rule this is the problem maybe we have right we think well only certain people have to repent really bad people have to repent right no the gospels say that everyone has to repent not some people that that is somehow and i'm going to say there's some mystery here the beginning of our entry into the kingdom of God. Repent. If it were not so, why would Jesus have proclaimed it as a command? Repent. The apostles said the same thing. You know what you, you, know what you teach when you're an apostle? What you were taught. That's what you teach. They didn't go out there and make up a new gospel while they were at it. <laughs> they just went out and said what Jesus has been saying to them for a while now. You've got to repent, Right? How did you become a believer? I repented. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how does anyone come to faith? We repented. Think about that. For thousands of years, that's what's been happening. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Over and over again, it's proclaimed clearly that we must. Jesus. Now, this gets a little harsh. I'm just going to lay that out there before I get here. But Jesus himself, not only did he say we must repent, he said if we don't repent, uh, we're going to perish. That's what, he, that's what Jesus said. And see, here's, here's the problem. Sometimes 
our culture, and maybe us as Christians, we like to take some of the, some of the stuff that, as our favorite stuff that Jesus says, and we go, that's what we put on our refrigerator, that's what we paint over the doors of our houses, you know? But I'm not sure I've ever seen, unless you repent, you will all perish in the kitchen anywhere, right? I don't think that's on a bumper sticker. Maybe a bumper sticker, actually, because they can be a little harsh sometimes. But, uh, but here, and I want to read this in, um, in context let me, let me see here. Yeah, if you don't repent. This is Luke 13, and uh, this is what he says. Now, there, there, were some, there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans, right? So some people, Galileans, Jesus would know well, um, whose blood Pilate had mixed or mingled with their sacrifices. Okay, so that's kind of a complicated start to the story, but we're going to unpack it for a second. And Jesus answered, Do not think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way. Do you believe that that's true? That they suffered worse by Pilate's hand because they were worse than other Galileans. Is that what you think is true? And he said, I tell you, no. That is not the case. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus said this. Now, lest you think he made a mistake, he says this. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell, fell on them. Do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? What's that? That's a tragedy. That's like a work tragedy. That's a, a building collapse of some sort. That's a, something that happened that they all knew what he meant, right? Do you think that they were more guilty of sinning than everyone else in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you also will perish. And I go, scratch my head, what does that mean? What does that mean? He's tying repentance in here very clearly to these stories of tragedy. What, why? I'm unpacking a little bit. Just two things. You know, there's this government oppressor, this guy, crazy guy Pilate. You know, and he's killing some Galileans. And they knew the story. And there was a tendency to think, there was a tendency to think, well, they had it coming. Uh, they, they'd done something to deserve it, right? That the, the good ones survived and the bad ones got killed or, or, or they, you know, karma. I mean, something happened, right? Jesus says, no. They, they were just, you know, killed by Pilate. And then he says this, and if you don't repent, you will all perish. I don't think he means if you don't repent, Pilate's going to kill all of you. I think he means there's a, a greater authority, a greater uh, accountability that we have, that we have to repent. I think he means that when he started proclaiming the good news and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is near, he means I'm serious. I think Jesus loves us, so he tells us the truth, right? We have this like squishy kind of like, you know, fat and happy Jesus sometimes, but I think he's kind of a hard guy. He's going, guys, this isn't a joke. You must repent. Then he tells a story about the tower that falls. Was that an engineering design flaw? I mean, what happened there? It seems just like a tragedy, right? And he connects that tragedy. So there's a tragedy of a man, like a human, you know, uh, action killing someone. And then there's a tragedy of just like, oh my gosh, it was a storm. It just happened, right? Like it was a failure of some sort. And he says the same words. No, they were not worse. They didn't deserve it. But listen, 
Now that's a crazy thing to say. They didn't deserve it. But listen, if you don't repent, you also will all perish. Here's what I can dig out of that. It's a calamity. There's real danger. It's not a joke. And I don't think Jesus was joking about it. And, and whether it's from human hands or from happenstance or from a, a weather system or whatever, like, there's a real risk, right? And we ought to repent. What, what's the opposite of that, by the way? If we repent, we won't all perish. That's what he's saying, you know? If we repent, we won't all perish. The some will be saved. Those who will repent will be saved. They will not be destroyed by man or mechanism, right? He teaches that. It's, it, and and it's, it's deep and it's hard, but it's true. He's, he's like, there's real danger. Here's the synopsis of that story. Life is short, repent. Life is short. The minute you know you ought to repent, you should repent. The minute you, you sense it, you should repent. Don't dilly-dally on the repentance thing. Calamity may come upon you in an instant. Balancing that out, right? Check this out. In, in, in just a couple chapters later, in Luke 15, heaven rejoices when one person <laughs> repents. Now, we like that passage, don't we? <laughs> that was a little better than you're all going to perish if you don't repent, right? Heaven rejoices when one person repents. Man, that's good news. It's uh, going to be Luke 15.7. I think I got up on the screens for you. 15.7. I tell you the truth in the same way. There'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who have no need to repent. Right? This is Jesus. I'm going to turn there too. It's going to be, uh, let's see. Yeah. 15.7-10. Yeah. He goes on to say, or suppose a woman has a silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds the coin? Like the coin I found, right? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me because I've found my coin. In the same way I tell you, there's, there's greater rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. <laughs> Listen. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Come on. Like, okay, let me just ask a question. <laughs> Why should you repent? Because you're going to, there's going to be a party in heaven. <laughs> now I know some of you are, listen to me, some of you are thinking, oh, that means that moment of salvation decision I made, that I gave my life to Jesus and all the angels go, yeah! Jesus won again, right? Yeah, listen, it says every time a sinner repents, there's a woo, a party in heaven, you know what I mean? Why? Because this is the kind of people we're made to be. We ought to be that kind of people that are pliable and say, oh God, I screwed up again. I repent of my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. And it's a party in heaven because the angels go, that's crazy. Matter of fact, I would argue that's the God thing. That we would repent instead of being our, ten, our tendency to be hard-hearted, obstinate against God. Heaven rejoices. Angels party when there's a sinner that comes to repentance. Listen to me. You might say, man, I don't want to tell people to have to repent of their sins. Heck, 
I don't want to tell people that I repent of their sins, right? I get to preach about it this morning, but I want to go up to a guy on the street and he's, man, life's terrible and, you know, God's not there and blah, blah. And I, I don't want to be like, you got to repent. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to say that, right? But why should I? Because if that dude or that lady repents, there's going to be a party in heaven, man. And there, all these things are going to unfold because of the repentance, because he's acknowledged or she's acknowledged that she's not God or he's not God. And there is a God and we're accountable. And without his grace and mercy, we would perish. We ought to repent because heaven rejoices. Here's something else. Man, this is a sobering thought. And I'm just throwing these things out because I've been thinking about these things for a while and I just... I just want to say them. Um, people in hell, with, by the way, there are people in hell. I don't know if you were on that whole conversation about heaven and hell and stuff. And I'm not saying that as any boisterous dance on people's greatest tragedy. One of my greatest burdens. And, you know, you know my story. I was an atheist before. So, I mean, I was treading on the steps of hell, man. And my greatest heartbreak is when people say to me, yeah, well, what's the big deal? I don't care, blah, blah, whatever. Cause, man, I, it's not that I'm mad. I just am sad because there are people in hell. And you know what the Bible says about people in hell? The Bible does say something about people in hell besides you're going there, <laughs> you know. The Bible says uh, people in hell wish that their family and friends would repent. You ever heard that saying, you know, like, I'll be there with all my friends. <laughs> if you've got friends in hell, they're going, man, I wish my friends and family would repent. They're not having a party, and they're not ready for you to come. That's what the Bible says. If you, don't, if you believe it or not, that's what the Bible says. Check it out. Luke 16, 27 and 28. This is a story about the rich man Lazarus. You may even know the story. Um, he kind of neglected this, this guy as the leper's gate the whole life, and then he goes and he ends up in hell. But we're just going to get to the end of the story. <clears throat> he says, um, in verse 27, so he's, he's asking for some relief from hell, and there's no relief coming for hell. He can't even get a, a, a drop of water on his tongue. It's awful. I'm not making, that is awful. But this is what he says. Then I beg you, Father, and he means Father Abraham, who we can see. I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, Lazarus to my father's house because I have five brothers. And let Lazarus warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Right? Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. In other words, God's already said this. You, you, have, to do, you have to acknowledge him. And he says, um, no, Father Abraham, if someone from the dead would go to them, they will repent. Do you see it? He doesn't want them to come to hell. He doesn't want them in hell with them. There's no party happening there and he doesn't want all his good crazy friends to come and hang out. He's like, please, if I can't be spared from this, would you send someone to them? Why? So they might change their minds about this. I've known people whose spouses have died, whose parents have died. And then they don't think that they were believing. And they, they've said, I, I will not be a believer because my spouse or my parents or my grandparents or whatever weren't believers. And I want to be where they are. No, you don't. You don't. And there's a biblical witness about it. You say, well, this is a story. Yeah, this is Jesus' story. This is a story that Jesus told. 
by the way, here's a funny you know, kind of footnote. Abraham said, even if they don't listen to the prophets and Moses, they're not going to be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You see the connection? Even if God were to raise someone from the dead to say you should repent and believe, you should know that God's real and loves you, even if that happens, there's some people who go, nope, not me. But it doesn't change the fact that he wanted it for his brothers and his father, his household, his family. That's what he wanted. One more thing here, by the way. You can see in verse... Um, 30 and 31, repentance is about being convinced or becoming convinced of something, right? We always think about repentance as like, I'm just going to change my whole life now. No, it's becoming convinced of some fundamental truths in your life. Because I was thinking about this as I was studying. I'm like, man, did, when did I repent? Did I repent? How did my repentance go? But I remember that, right? And I'm not saying, I'm just saying, I want to say like, does that really work practically in your life? Yeah, I remember when I said, God, I am wrong and you're right. I absolutely know that. As a matter of fact, I spend a lot of my time saying that to God. God, I know you're wrong. You're right and I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong and you're right. <laughs> um, and then repent. Next, check this out. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Repentance leads to forgiveness. This is Luke 16, right? So the story continues here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Was I already there? No, no, no. Hang on a second. I was going there. I read the wrong verse. Uh, Luke 17, 3 and 4. That's where we're trying to get to, right? So Jesus says this, so watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him, right? So repentance leads to forgiveness. Well, it goes like this, rebuke, repent, you know, forgive. Okay, but in this story, but um, the idea is that repentance leads to forgiveness. Now that's a, that's a, that's a big thing. Uh, because that means if you go to someone and you say, I repent, I'm changing on the inside what I'm trying to do, and, I, and that could be a relationship or anything, it should lead to for forgiveness, right? Repentance leads, if that happens, Jesus says, forgive him. If the sin, he, if he sins against you uh, seven times in the day, and seven times he comes back and he says, I repent again, what does it say? You must forgive him. Let's say you ought to, you can if you want to, you might if you feel like it. You must. It's compulsory. And ah, man, I'm with you on the legalistic thing. I'm like, my oh, brother's going to come up to me every six or seven times a day and say, I repent, I repent, I repent. That ain't what it means. It don't mean I'm sorry. That's not repentance. Like, if it's like flippant words, you know, you ever had like somebody in your life say, I'm sorry. No, you're not. You ain't sorry. You're going to do it seven more times today. They ain't, they ain't serious. But if someone comes and they're like, right <laughs> right I'm gonna repent I'm gonna try to change and then six four times screws it up Jesus says you must forgive him why is this good news because I know if you're thinking like I don't want to forgive people that much listen because you've been forgiven much that's the thing you repent God forgives like that's the model I repent God forgives I don't deserve it he just forgives me he blesses me with relationship and invitation and a whole bunch of other stuff that's the model you see it come on now flip it around if you sin against god and you repent he'll forgive you look come on church the gospel if you sin seven times in a day and seven times, you go back to God and you say, I repent. He'll forgive you. 
I can't find many people I meet like that, you know. I've just screwed it up too much. I meet believers like that. I've just screwed it up too much. Look at the witness from text. Look at the witness. Listen to the Holy Spirit. You'll be forgiven. You'll be forgiven. All right, a couple more stops here, and then we're going to wrap. Check this out. Repentance is a step that leads to faith in Jesus Christ. So that's a direct connection. Repentance is a step that leads to faith in Jesus Christ, which is why he said repent, right? And the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a package deal. Faith in Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This comes from Acts 2, 38. Peter replied to the crowds, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. See, that happened. That's the gospel. You repent and you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's God's third manifestation, his third person, like the, the third way he reveals himself, the one God, true God, through the Holy Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we believe, I believe, the Holy Spirit's active in that process of repentance. If you feel, if you feel, maybe this morning while I've been talking, you've been feeling that you should repent in your life, I want to encourage you to believe that that's the work of the Holy Spirit of God who's trying to save you from eternal damnation. Like, he's trying to bring you into the family, and that's the goal. You know, it's not me trying to make you feel bad or be religious. It's God trying to cause you to repent and believe some good news in your life. Why? Because it's for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. He, this is what the gospel is about. And you will then receive the Holy Spirit of God. The very person of God living in you, dwelling in you, working through you. It's a step that leads to the faith in Christ. Peter thought it was so important. You know, that's why he proclaimed it. This is the good news. This is what you should do. You want this in your life. Check this out. Repentance is, this is what I told you earlier. Repentance is necessary for God to wipe out our sins. Now that might sound mm, heretical. Because <laughs> we go, God can do whatever God wants to do. Yes, he can. I agree. He can do anything he wants. But the Bible says he wants you to repent so that he can forgive your sins and enter into times of refreshment, seasons of refreshment with the Lord. This comes from Acts 3, uh, 18 and 19. It says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshment may come uh, from the Lord. I'm going to turn there in my Bible to Acts 3. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I, I do want to read uh, a little bit around it. 17. Now, brothers and sisters... I know that you acted in ignorance. He's talking to the, um, to the uh, Israelites. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that Christ would suffer, right? That's, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. So repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Like that, that, Jesus on the cross is the reason that we're called to repent that's why he was saying the kingdom is near and you're going to be sin free. Your sins will be wiped out. By the way, that's not time sensitive. I'm going to tell you that. We're going to show that in a minute. 
And the second part, that times of refreshing from the Lord may come in your life. That's why you repent. Now, that's why you repent. I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, but you have those dry, dry seasons, you know? Like, I have those dry seasons. Repent. Repent. And receive refreshment from the Lord. That's, what, that's what's being proclaimed here. The, the Israelites were in a dry season. Nothing's going their way. Yeah, because they're not repenting. This is the core of the gospel. Repent that you might have your sins cleared. This is a holy religious people. They are sacrificing. Check this. Acts 17.30. God commands that all people everywhere ought to repent. Acts 17.30. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. And when he says that, he means worshiping silver and gold, idols that cannot speak or move or have breath. That's what the argument is, right? That your forefathers done that stupid stuff. But now, he commands that all people everywhere must repent. You have to repent, right? Change your thinking about false idols and worship the one true God. That's the call that's proclaimed. We ought to do that in our lives. Paul was actually preaching at, to the people of Athens at the Aragopagus uh, who were worshiping many gods. Remember, they're the ones that worship the unknown god just in case, the safety god. <laughs> they like had the bases covered. And he's like, you have to repent of that. And that would be to say, no matter how religious someone seems, no matter how much stuff they think they got it all figured out, the call of the God who made everything according to the Bible is that they must repent of those ways. Absolutely required. We think, well, our culture is a little different. You know, people aren't, sen they're sensitive to the repentance language. Let's not do that. You know, these were the most culturally kind of affluent. They were like on the hilltop thinking deep thoughts kind of people. They were spiritual. Uh, they were religious maybe, but they weren't believing. They weren't believing. And Paul's teaching was that God commands that everyone everywhere must repent. All people, all time. Acts 26.20 Repentance is proven by what we do then. You want to be different? You're going to live different. I'm, I'm not saying you can muster, but you're going to head a different direction. This is why the I'm sorry thing is such a broken model because you're not sorry if you continually do the same things over and over again, right? That's why it's a broken model. But check this. So I want to share. Uh, so we think, okay, this is all about sinners coming to repentance. You're right, it is. I agree with that. But I told you it went from it went from uh, Matthew to Revelation. I know some of you know this already, but in the book of Revelation, I don't think I have any slides up here for this, and I don't want any. I'm just going to see what I got next. What does that say? Yeah. All right. Um, actually, my, yeah, let's see if I skipped something here. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's my next one. Yeah, okay. So um, here's the thing. The church needs to repent. That's a simple thing to know, Right? But we think the repentance is for sinners. And we think the sinners aren't us. And that's a problem in the church. You might think uh, because you believe the gospel and you've been saved and you're heading for heaven and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, all can be true that you are s no longer sinning. I can't really get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> right? The call is that the church will repent. I mean, that's the funny thing, isn't it? Like, we want the world to repent. Repent of your sins, you sinners. Repent of your sins, right? And we don't even say the words, but we think it in our thoughts. You know, you just got to repent. And if that person would repent, right? But we don't lead by example in this. 
We don't lead by example. This first passage I had from 2 Corinthians, this is Paul writing to the church, and he said, I am afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many of you who have sinned earlier. Okay, some of you have sinned, right? And this is what he said, and have not repented of your impurity, your sexual sin, your debauchery, in which they have indulged. Like, there's some people in the church who've not repented of their sin. They've not changed their inner thoughts about it. They've not changed their being. And he's like, I'm going to be grieved I come to you and you haven't repented of your sin. The church is called to repent. But then here's the icing on the cake. Revelation. The narrative of Revelation is that God comes and he, uh, and he calls us to, uh, re- to repent. That's the accusation against the churches. And I'm just going to read through here. I'm not going to talk about these, but I just want you to hear them because it, you, some people, you know, I love the book of Revelation about the end times, right? And here's it's a little bit of the end times taste for you. Revelation 2.5 says this, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. That's to the church who's being disobedient. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Revelation 2.16, repent therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Like, I'm going to come and divide amongst you because you're not repentant. That's to the church. Uh, Revelation 2.21-22, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling to repent. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer immensely unless they repent of their ways. Now that's an interesting passage. Because that means that God says he will cause you to suffer until you repent. If you're unrepentant, you will suffer. And you will suffer as a normative experience of God's love for you because he wants you to repent. The suffering he puts upon the church there, the suffering he puts upon the people is that they might turn to him. Why am I so miserable? Because you're unrepentant. And God will cause that misery to come until you repent. Revelation 3.3, remember therefore that you have received and heard. Hold it fast and then repent. Remember the things I taught you and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I come to you. That's that calamity of destruction. That's what he's talking about. Revelation 3.19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Be sincere and repent. It's God's love to us, His grace to us. Revelation 9, 20 and 21. The, re- the rest of mankind who were not killed by those plagues, now here's the thing, did, still did not repent of the work of their hands. This is after all the kind of plagues and tragedies happening. It says they still did not repent. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood. Idols that cannot talk or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their theft. They repented of none of it. You know what that tells me? There's going to be some people who spend their whole lives unrepentant. They will suffer tragedy after tragedy and not repent. They will walk to the very end and absolutely thumb their nose at God. I will not repent. I hope that's not you. Lastly, it says in Revelation 16, 9, these were seared by the intense heat and they cursed the name of God who had control over all these plagues, but they still refused to repent. And here it is. <laughs> and glorify God. 
What's the root of our lack of willing to repent? We don't want to glorify God for who he is. We want to glorify us. We got it figured out. This is my life. I'm doing it. Listen, repentance, and you glorify God, and they refuse to do both. I will not do it. I will not give God the glory. And they perish. They perish because of it. That's the truth. Have all that I shared with you. I know it was a lot, but I want you to understand it's like a serious thing. We're called to do it. We ought to be sober-minded about it and honest. And first ourselves, then the church, then the people we love and care about. It's not a joke. We ought to care if people repent or not. I got some friends of mine that don't agree with me theologically, and I talk to them often about it, and I burn for them. And I'm not saying I'm holy because of that. I think that's a God-given insight that I'm concerned for them. But here's my problem, is that they say they're religious and holy, but they don't burn for me. They're not concerned for me. They don't even believe what I believe about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they don't come and plead with me. Please, will you give up the nonsense and come back to the faith? They don't do it because they ultimately don't care about me. I deeply care. And I'm sure you deeply care. So you ought to be burning for your friends to say, you need to repent. You know, you got some stuff in your life. I get it. We all do, but repent and you'll be forgiven. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you that you might be free. And we say the same message that Jesus Christ said, the same message that the apostles said, the same message the Holy Spirit calls us to proclaim, which is repent. And my friends who don't agree, I'm sad for them and I'm aggravated with them because come back and tell me. If you think I'm perishing in my foolishness, come back and tell me. But that was half. I put it up a minute ago. Here's the funny thing. This is what's recorded in Jesus' teaching in Mark. You know it already. Jesus said, repent and believe good news. You see, repentance is part of it. The rest is to believe good news. That's what we're called to do. God died for every sinner. He sent his son to die for every sinner if we would only but repent. As a matter of fact, repentance is mentioned 34 times. I told you that already. But belief, 244 times. The scales are heavily on the side of belief. Believe good news. That void that's left in your life, you go, oh, I don't know if I give this stuff up, how it's going to go for me or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to let go. And you repent of your sins. God, I need to change in here. And there's a void. There's a void in here. And you go, what's going to fill the void? Faith. Belief. That's what the call is as a Christian. It's like a rebound, right? You repent and you believe good news. You, you become acquainted with the promises of God. You acknowledge the promises of God. You begin to understand the promises of God. By the way, don't make up your own promises of God. There's a whole bunch of really great ones in the Bible. <laughs> just know what those are and just let those live and dwell in you and proclaim the good news. Believe the good news. Proclaim it to yourself. It's the life of faith. As a matter of fact, in Acts 16, 31, this is the last thing, the word says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Belief, belief. And it says, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his entire household came to faith. Repent and believe good news. This is the model of a Christian life. I know right now some of you are like, goodness, right? Hit me over the head. I would like someone maybe to go back and count how many times I said repent in this sermon. Like, I, I'm good for a while probably now on the repentance thing. It's a huge deal to the Christian faith. It's a huge deal to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And we ought to know it. We ought not be afraid of it. For heaven's sake, we ought to at least embrace it ourselves. That's my encouragement to you. Um, I'm going to ask you to pray with me and uh, let God work. Father God, I just thank you so much for the truth of the gospel and for the the testimony of your word. Father God, there's um, so much that you say and so many things that we can read past and read through and we just kind of get overwhelmed. But God, there's a simple message that you have given us, which is that you came that we might be free. I pray of, of work of your Holy Spirit. And I, I know there's brothers and sisters today that go, yeah, okay, I'm willing to repent. What's that look like? How do I repent? Father, would you do that work in their life? Would you, would you fill their heart with belief? Would you draw them into your family, the family of the kingdom of God, the people who are going to be with you forever? And not just for that life, Father, but for this life. Father, not just that we'd be with you forever in heaven, but we would get to experience you right here, right now. And what a tragedy that so many of us have gone so many years just denying you and missing the blessing of being obedient to your Holy Spirit, hearing you, listening to you care for us, drawing us into a better life. And we missed it because we were slow on the uptake. Father, thank you so much for grace to us. We pray for your perfect timing. We pray, Father, that you would do your work amongst your people. Uh, We love you so much. Um, My heart is full. I know... uh, We love you, and I pray that we would live it out. Father, help us. Help us to be your people and live the way you intend. We thank you so much for the opportunity to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.